Weirdo Weirdo Bookworms Unite! Unite. Do your reading tastes range from dystopian sci-fi to middle-grade fantasy? Dark psychological thrillers to gory body horror? From YA paranormal swords and sorcery? Extraterrestrials? Murder? Mayhem! And beyond! Then we want to share our love of reading with you! Welcome home. Hi, genre junkies. This is Sandra. And this is Scott. And have we got a thrill... A thrill... (laughs) We got a thrill in we store have one for thrill, you. A singular have, thrill. No, we can, you can have two <laughs> in store for you tonight on Genre Junkies. Um, it has been a while since we have done a thriller, and when we do thrillers, we like to do ones that um, are kind of messed up. You know, they're kind of like maybe a lot of people who read thrillers would be like, mm, "Sounds too dark for me." <laughs> <laughs> that does seem to be the way it goes. Or, you know, there's there's some dark content, there's some sort of unreliable narrator, there's some, you know, kind of weirdness <laughs> in the equation. Almost always some early trauma. Yes, yeah, we love that at Genre Junkies. And that's what we have for you tonight. We have What Lies in the Woods by Kate Alice Marshall. So, yeah, this is this has been um, quite the quite the the read i've i've read most of this over audiobook while while traveling and driving around the audiobook um i swear i don't i don't know what other book that i have listened to by this narrator but Mm -hmm. but her voice is very recognizable oh that's cool and you know i feel like um audiobooks just continue to get more and more and more popular all the time so i think it's kind of cool when one of us has something on audio you know so we can share with people what that experience was like. Oh, I guess we should talk about what we've been doing, huh? <laughs> <laughs> if, in case you can't tell from the audio quality, we're not in the same room. We're, we're experimenting with something to try and get this out relatively on time. Hopefully it doesn't sound too bad, but it might sound just a little different. And that's why. Yes. Um, um, oh, so, so yeah. What have we been doing? I have just been having a headache. <laughs> <laughs> I've just been having just a nonstop headache. Um, what makes me really happy right now is that we've, we're code oranging all over the place. Not that I can afford to buy anything Halloween related, but it just makes me happy that it's there. It makes me happy seeing pictures on Instagram. Of course, I'll pick up a couple of things. I did get a spooky scented candle. It's called Witch's Brew. Um, But you know, you know, it's not about the consumerism. It's, you know, it's about what's in your spooky heart. But it's nice that, you know, getting through the brutal summer at least you know there's there's halloween ahead it's a little bit about the consumerism i mean it, i don't think of any other time that 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 we buy some more just like fun stuff <laughs> oh yeah no i just mean for me and other people to not feel bad because there's so oh, much sure. to get and there's so much pressure everybody wants to get all the coolest newest stuff and there's there's a lot of pressure it is well. So my the thing I'm bringing to the table is I have finally gotten a chance to start uh, the Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom. Um, I'm not super far in it, but man, is it a fantastic sequel so far! Um, if you haven't played Breath of the Wild, I I, I really 
I'm, I'm shocked. You should. <laughs> and Tears of the Kingdom is uh, it might even be better, which is incredible because I think I think Breath of the Wild is top five games of all time for me. So uh, we'll see how it we'll see how it progresses and how it ends eventually. I, I think I'm going to be playing this for a very long time because I don't have a lot of time to play it. But uh, it's really good. It's really really good. Mm, so stay tuned for updates on good old Zelda. And when... <laughs> that'll that'll keep our that'll keep our what's been happening segments interesting for the <laughs> probably year. Zelda, aka the Zelda Scrolls. <laughs> All right, let's talk about what's going on in those woods. What is going on in the woods? <laughs> what, in the, the woods? what in the world is happening in those woods? Um, this novel is by Kate Alice Marshall, What Lies in the Woods. Naomi Shaw used to believe in magic. 22 years ago, she and her two best friends, Cassidy and Olivia, spent the summer roaming the woods, imagining a world of ceremony and wonder. They called it the goddess game. The summer ended suddenly when Naomi was attacked. Miraculously, she survived her 17 stab wounds and lived to identify the man who had hurt her. The girl's testimony put away a serial killer wanted for murdering six women. They were heroes, and they were liars. For decades, the friends have kept a secret worth killing for. But now, Olivia wants to tell, and Naomi sets out to find out what really happened in the woods, no matter how dangerous the truth turns out to be. Um, our friend Riley Sager blurbed this book, which is always fun when it's, you know, people that you love blurb something, and it's like, oh, see, they liked it. Um... Alice Feeney, some other other folks. Riley said, "A stunner, dark, unflinching, twisty, and sharp." It, I, I, the, the twisty, unflinching, and sharp. That I couldn't think of three better words to describe this book. To R- be honest, yeah, with you. Riley nailed it, and and I also just like this is this is so cool. I just kind of want to say um, a little bit about the author too, Kate Alice Marshall. This is, as far as I know, this is the first thing I've read by her. Um, She writes horror and thrillers for all ages, from middle grade to adult. Her books have been nominated for the Washington State Book Awards and Bram Stoker Awards. She lives in the Pacific Northwest with her family, where she spends her time gardening, gaming, and concocting stories of the uncanny. So, I mean, she sounds like a mix of the two of us. Yeah, she really does. And, um, yeah, so so do you want to start? Yeah, I will go ahead and start. Um, this is the definition of a page turner. Mm-hmm. Um, it's and which is actually I can't even. It's hard to describe how much of a compliment that is because it is so psychological at the at the same time, which can sometimes lead to a little bit of a slow burn sort of thing, mm-hmm. but. I mean, all of those turns in the characters, in, in the personality, in Naomi, like discovering things and, and finding things out about herself is just interesting the whole way through. And even more than that, it rides this incredible balance of every twist and turn in it is believable and, mm-hmm. and it, it is a payoff. But you don't I you don't really expect what's happening. This mm-hmm. isn't one of those where it's like, okay, I knew that this is what happened. I knew that this was the situation. I was surprised by multiple twists in this book. Mm-hmm. And yet they completely made sense. I'm going to save any surprises of mine for the spoiler section. Oh, for um, sure. 
Yeah. So let me just just put a little pin in that. Just a little pin. Um, for me, this was an absolute page turner and obsession. I feel very confident. I mean, I'll just say it right now too. Um, with like a a damn near mass appeal, you know, to recommend as well. I thought this book was just stunning and interesting and exciting. And like, I mean, you know, it's hard when you're an old grizzled horror fan like I am. You know, sometimes I have to think about, would this scare a normie? You know, would this scare a civilian? (laughs) And would this unnerve and disturb them? And, you know, like, I, I don't think it's quite as effed up as some of the dark thrillers we've read. But I mean, it's pretty dark. It is dark. It's yeah. And, and it, it's dark because it is a story starting from childhood. Um, it, It's it's about things that happened in childhood and, and how that has affected adults and adults discovering things that can be very disturbing. Um, And just again, we were talking about some of the twists and turns. Yeah. Well, it, it's like it bad stuff dark. happening to kids. You know, it's a kid getting stabbed 17 17- goddamn times yeah right a child just a child yeah um but i I would say i don't think that this i don't think that this um book it's this is it's not the same uh kind of uh not the same kind of story as uh oh my what's the one that they made the movie with ben affleck yeah this is not like at all like the plot of gone girl but i feel like it's kind of the tone if that makes sense Mm -hmm. and and for and and that's actually why i agree with you we'll just go ahead and break it out early I think this is a mass appeal book. Yeah. I want to recommend this to to everyone and especially people who, you know, like those kind of those kind of unique and inventive thrillers like mm-hmm. like the Gone Girls and the 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 Girl in the Window and the, the you know the girl series <laughs> i i totally get what you mean um and there's some stuff about this you know as somebody who's read and listened to a lot of thrillers in my life there was a few things about this that kind of broke formulaicness as well and i think that's really important um you know, we're starting out with the, this is a final girl. This is a girl who lived after being stabbed 17 times and her friends lived and, you know, they made it through this. And so they're already going in really scarred. She's already basically lived through a horror movie. She is disfigured as well. And, um, and she's, you know, but she, she, she owns it and, uh, she isn't afraid or like ashamed of how she looks. And there's just a little, little things like that. The relationship she has with her boyfriend at the beginning of the book, you know, things that it's like, this is not your typical, maybe thriller heroine, you know, like she has edge to her. She has edge. And she also, I mean, she, she has a lot of problems i mean when something that traumatic happens as a child there's so many psychological effects that it can have on some i mean we're, we're we're talking about the way that the way that you know you treat people the way that you allow people to treat you mm-hmm. um is very informed by those kind of decisions and and you're right she is not a traditional uh quote unquote heroine lead lead of of this kind of a book yeah and Although i love a little that. bit more traditional to the kind of books the kind of thrillers as we said earlier we're usually yeah our thrillers and table. our horrors <laughs> yeah she's more in line with that um 
really loved Naomi, uh, really, really cared about her a lot, liked some of the other characters in there as well, too. But, you know, she's really, you know, we're, we're in her point of view, we're in her shoes. And I just really, really cared about her a whole, whole bunch. There's, I can't get into it. It's just too much. But she and I have some stuff in common that was like, it just kind of hit me like a gut punch. And it kind of like really just like bonded me to her. And I'm like, oh, you and me, girl. Um, I don't know if I've mentioned it on the show before, but you you all know my sister. She's been on, on the show before. So she and my cousin and I, we all grew up super close in age. And we all grew up really, really close in the bestest of bestest of friends as children. And there was a game we played. Like, we played a lot of imaginative games and, you know, we were into making potions and stuff like that in the the backyard. And we uh, played this one game called The Tales of the Crystal. And if anybody remembers that game, you are the real ones. You are the (laughs) fucking real ones. And it was kind of a combination of a LARP and a tabletop game. And this is before we were even vaguely aware of those terms or what they meant. I think it was a Milton Bradley game. And it was like, yeah, and it was living in this, it was going into like a portal fantasy world and having to do all these different tasks and adventures. And of course, you know, we were just super into fantasy like that, um, super into Greek mythology, which is a theme in this book, you know, just kind of like being, you know, kind of loose and feral and imaginative and transporting, you know, everything around you becomes, you know, this is a sign and, you know, from from the oracle and, you know, like, like if you were that kind of kid, and I know, Scott, you were too, like, you, you guys can totally understand what I'm saying. So the fact that this starts with these girls kind of playing this game that they call the goddess game, you know, and they're 11, they're, they're right at that age where, you know, they're kind of outgrowing this sort of imaginative play, (laughs) Um, which is something that's addressed in the book, too. So it was just all of that was so, so relatable to me. Um, And then reading in her about the author, you know, she talks about that she was that kid, too. I I think that that's a very... That's a very relatable childhood to a lot of people. Um, I I don't want to speak necessarily for other generations, but definitely for ours. Um, I and I, you know, we know some Gen Xers who have similar experiences. I, I like the word that you used that uh, feral mm-hmm. because I've I've never used that word to describe that particular like period of my life. But that mm-hmm. really that really kind of encapsulates that it's that creativity and openness, but but you know, this kind of like almost inherent connection to the earth and what's around you and kind of like reaching out and and finding those things and what works for you. It's quite witchy. It is quite witchy. Yeah. Um, love that. Love that journey for us, you and me, Kate Alice Marshall, and so many of us. Um, so this is, you know, we're already kind of coming into this book with this really dark, tragic thing having happened, you know, like 20 years ago or whatever. And, you know, then there's obviously like, we know going into it, there's something of, can we trust these girls? Because it says it right there. They lied. Yes. So you're going into this book like, wait, what did they what did they lie about? 
<laughs> are they still lying? What? Are they going to lie to me? Well, and, 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 you know, and this is not a spoiler, like from the very get go, Naomi basically tells you the reader that she can't be trusted. She doesn't trust anybody, including herself to speak some truths. And you don't know what those truths are. You don't. And I'll tell you, you really don't know what some of those truths are. Mm. Um, but like, you know, you're warned right from the get-go, both in the description and and by name, that um, there is no reliable narrator. So yeah, because memories can't always be like trusted. That. No. Yeah. And we like that. Um, I just saw this other uh, blurb from author Chandler Baker. I love this. This just made me laugh out loud, too. What Lies in the Woods is a gorgeous fever dream of a novel about the dangers lurking in the hearts and imagination of little girls. Kate Alice Marshall deftly charts a winding path through her creepy woods, doubling back and changing course to build a labyrinth of secrets and lies in which I was delighted to lose myself for hours. Hands down, it's the best thriller I've read in a long, long time. Let's go. And I am so, I'm so there. This is definitely one of the best thrillers I've read in a long, long time. And probably just one of the best thrillers I've read. Like, like I said, I really loved this thing. And I'm gonna tell everybody to go read it. Yeah, if this book hasn't already blown up, I think we're gonna do our our normal part to make sure that it does. Uh, Because yeah, uh, I think this is going to be one of those gifty books um, for all of our friends that are listening. Look forward to Christmas or no. maybe even earlier. <laughs> you might get this. You might get something else. Wouldn't you like to know? It's possible. <laughs> this could be coming your way. But don't wait. Go buy it now. Yeah, don't wait. Go get go, it right now. Or go to the library. You yeah. Know, yeah. I mean, just get this book. Just get this book. Bless it. So I really want to know what surprised you, because the fact that you hinted that something did, nothing surprises Sandra. Nothing surprises you. So I'm really interested to hear about it. But to do that, we have to go to the spoiler section. So just like we said, if you haven't read this book, pick it up, read it. Do not let us spoil this book. Please, please, please. We know. I know that there's listeners out there that will listen to our spoiler sections, even if you haven't read the book. Don't do it. Don't do it with this one. It's too good to spoil. Mm -hmm. Just read it. If you're interested in all, just read it. But if you have read it, come on, hop on over, and let's talk spoilers. Hey, Bookworm Buddy, don't forget, subscribe, rate, and review. And while you're at it, find us on Instagram at Genre Junkies. All right, here we are. We're in the spoiler section. You've been warned. Jump out of the little boat now. It's sinking into spoiler waters. The tin boat is taking on water. (laughs) Here we go. Okay. So who did you think had done it? Okay. I will say that from, I will say that from the very get-go, I did not trust Cass. Um, there, there, there was always kind of like a a, a, a a weird vibe and a kind of kind of a controlling feeling, mm-hmm. and it became very obvious. And you know, a part of me felt like that might be a little bit red herring, but at the end of the day, I knew that Cass had to have something to do with everything. Mm-hmm. That was about, and and I also will say that I did not think because of the earlier twist, I did not think that Ethan had anything to do with it. Uh-huh. 
Okay, so I I must pat myself on the back. And and I mean, and it's not because I'm so special or anything like that, <laughs> but I'm good at figuring stuff out. I am when it comes to mysteries and, and, and that sort of thing. I'm good at that. So I kept flipping in my head the whole book. Was it Cass or was it Cody? Was it Cass or was it Cody? <laughs> and for some silly reason, I didn't, it never even occurred to me that, to think it could be them in cahoots. <laughs> which it was. So that was kind of really pleasant because in my mind, it was so all or nothing, one or the other. And then it's like, oh my God, that's perfect. I love that even more that it was both of them. I, I really liked it as both of them. I love the reasons for it. Mm -hmm. I mean, there always is something suspicious about the too good guy, you know, the oh, one yeah. who's like kind of secretly maybe in love slash big brother-ish. Like you kind of have to look for those, for those characters in these books. Um, but there's also kind of a third person who quote unquote did it. Yeah. And I super did not see that coming. Who do you, how do you mean? What do you mean? Liv. The fact that she was stabbed by Liv, and yes, it was Cass who ended up being orchestrating the whole thing. Oh, I don't know. I read that as that Cass just said it was made Liv think it was Liv. So so what I got is that she did convince Liv to stab her, and she did the first stabbing, but then she couldn't she just couldn't kill her, and mm -hmm. then Cass tried to finish the job, but no, Liv definitely was involved in the stabbing. No, see, the way I read that is that Cass just totally gaslit Liv into thinking she did it when Liv never did it. Oh my gosh, that is so, not the reading I got. That's interesting. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, there's probably one is the correct one, but it doesn't matter because they're both good and they both get to the same endgame, which is that Cass is a fucking psychopath. An, an actual psychopath, a legitimate yeah. psychopath. And like Cody's damaged and he clearly has some rage issues, but he wasn't psychotic. No, he wasn't a crazy, weird manipulator who kept a bag of, or sorry, it was a box, a treasure box of people's secrets. <laughs> so that, that for leverage. Right. I mean, yeah. it's interesting because because Cass is a you know there, there's there's a nature versus nurture argument there because I mean I I do firmly stand by that that she was a psychopath that is oh, yeah. that is the that is the like a textbook textbook psychopath but um she's also the product of a pretty manipulative family right but she also did the manipulating because she would say that her dad beat her and her dad yes. never beat her true so it's kind of a chicken or an egg mm -hmm. and you know oscar's obviously a psycho as well but um her you know her brother but yes. um and you know an assaulter and every other awful thing but um yeah she definitely you know she kind of was like this bossy bossy kid who became and very manipulative who became a bossy manipulative adult she couldn't stand that her two friends had a crush on each other um i mean she went to a extreme lengths with that yes and i like that there's this kind of nod at the end that she's like you know naomi feels bad that she took amanda's mother away but then she's like you know what though 
You can't have that as a mother. No, that wasn't. It was her mother biologically, but there is nothing motherly about that, about about Cass. And I like that, you know, we have the character of Liv who has a lot of challenges, including, I believe, schizophrenia was mentioned. And yeah, she and again, with her, there is a chicken versus egg sort of thing. Like, I appreciate all three of them had genuine, real psychological issues and you know you know they they were all neurodivergent let's put it that way right (laughs) yes but but all of their all of their problems were exacerbated and shaped by cast like they were they were literally used against them and their whole personalities and ended up being shaped by cast's manipulation of of olivia's depression and also, you know, d- did clearly have some sort of mania. Well, she was she was already ill. Yes. Like that was that was established. You know, we know that you know it wasn't the events of the goddess game that made her sick. But yeah, like, and you know, they all had their problems going into it, and that's really important. But yeah, definitely, like you said, exacerbated it, influenced their pain, and the you know the way things kind of got worse for them. Not really so much for Cass, though. I mean, on the surface, she was just the little hero, the little spokesperson. <laughs> Well, the, uh, the other thing that this book does, I think, better than anything I've ever read is that is being inside the head of someone who has been controlled and gaslit for so long that they do not even know what is true anymore. Mm-hmm. They don't trust their own me- – she, she doesn't trust her own memories. She okay. represses a lot of the memories, which is you know its own other thing. But even the memories that she does have, she questions them to the point of – of just believing them to be fantasy, of believing them to be wrong, because she has been manipulated and gaslit by someone from from a very early age, and was literally went through some of the most traumatic stuff you could possibly go through um, to to kind of kickstart the whole thing. Well, yeah, and I mean, she had her struggles with her her parents. Yes, before that too. Um, that you know, kind of led into that. And then also a theme of this book that I like, um, it's not just that, you know, she was manipulated and stuff. There is something very fascinating to me about the fog of memory, mm-hmm. you know, the fog of history and how you remember something to maybe be, and that's not the way that it actually was. A, a good example of that is actually one of the, one of the, the most scrint, skin crawly moments of this book for me. Mm-hmm. Was when she is in Cass's house and her brother Oliver, is that his name? Oscar. Oscar. Her brother Oscar, you know, she basically confronts him for the things that he did. And he says, Well, I mean, I got beat up for it, so we're even. That moment. Like the way that he sees what happened versus the way that she's accepting now that things happened mm-hmm. is is chilling, right? Chilling, right? And yeah, and that like something was so horrifyingly painful that she endured, and it's kind of just meh for him. Yep. You know, he can he can just kind of oh. 
It's fine. Like, he can walk away from it, and it haunts her. I think that's very interesting. Um, I really liked Ethan. I liked the character of Ethan a lot. I mean, obviously, we're going to be a sucker for a podcaster. um, Without a doubt. But I liked that they... You know, they kind of met each other. With him, it was under false pretenses, because he didn't acknowledge that his dad was Stahl. Right. And she was like, yeah, Stahl totally did it. Totally. And, you know, it was hiding all these other things from him, too. So it's kind of like they had, I mean, what I felt was kind of a realistic adult reaction to being lied to. And they kind of like, you know, had their weird fight and they had their weird hookup. And then (laughs) they took some time apart. And, you know, and then he kind of shows back up and all that just felt very realistic and very adult to me that she would need some space and to get some some things out of the way and some healing through her art. And then he was doing the same. Right. I mean, because, you know, even at that moment, you could you could like these I really did feel like I felt for Ethan. I understood like how it kind of got away from him. And because he. He doesn't want to go around he, being known as this guy's son, too. Yeah. And the way that he spoke to her, you know, when he when he says, I want to be someone you can trust, mm. it's really powerful because it's like he's he is that's like the most honest thing he could have said. Yeah. In that moment. It was you like you can he, see that he's a good person. And you can see that Naomi's a good person. But you know, you know that they're you, you knew at that moment that there is something that you're not hearing, yeah. but I knew that he wasn't. I knew that he wasn't the killer. Oh no, me too. I knew he was Stahl's son. Yeah, I was. Oh, I you was, knew that? Oh, absolutely. Oh, I did not see that coming <laughs> at all. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So definitely knew that. Um. Totally, you know, like that. You know, it's not like they put an innocent man behind bars. The guy was a serial killer. Yes. He was a bad dude and he did bad things. And, and you know, and he even <laughs> kind of brought his son along for one. And which yeah, is so fucked was, up. Was trying to groom his son. And the way that Ethan describes, you know, being an adult and like, enjoying that hunt and never wanting to actually hurt them. Right. But that fear of, I understand a little bit on the thrill that my father found in this and being terrified of that. Yeah. It's like, it's a little bit of acknowledging uh, one's shadow self and kind of those icky things about ourselves that, you know, they don't, we don't want people to see, we don't want people to see those parts of us and those sides of us, but they exist. And, you know, and, and Naomi's in touch with her own darkness to an extent like that too. And then I also, I really appreciate how she buried the hatchet with her dad and they didn't do it in some cheesy, ridiculous come to Jesus moment. They did it through a series of moments, you know? Yeah. You know, and then when towards the end, the dad, it's just a throwaway line, but he says something about his shrink and it's like, he's getting help. He's getting help. And he, he has, you know, he has like, you know, when he was describing how the first time he did quit drinking and I think he, I think he said it didn't stick, but you know, he couldn't even be in the hospital room with her when she was stabbed, quit drinking for a while. It's hard because it doesn't excuse the really crummy father that he was. Of course. However, it is true that some people are better with their adult children than they are with their children children. 
Right. And, you know, he did a pretty shitty job. But at the same time, for him, where he was at, that was that was the best job he could do. Mm -hmm. And so, and there's kind of, you know, like, at some point, we have to forgive some of these things from our past. You know, we have to forgive that it happened and it happened to us. And her and her dad, you know, they're both really kind of funny and sardonic and and dry. And, you know, they're not touchy-feely people. And it's kind of, like, it's cute the way they interacted with each other. I, I liked that. And I liked that they, you know, as they kind of opened up and got a little more vulnerable with one another you know, the relationship improved. And he was there in the hospital for her again, you know? But hearing about the things that he hid from her, Uh, like the the money, money, the the money was just like, you know, it, my immediate gut reaction was just like nausea because I was expecting him to have just blown it on alcohol and whatever. And then finding out that he used it to pay the medical bills. It's like, okay, well, yeah. I can be I can be less mad at you now, but it's still like you didn't say anything. It was all stuff that could have been really useful. And like years the money, ago. the money came from Liv's family. Yeah, they bought them off. Right, right. But only her dad wasn't totally aware of that. That was something that just all of the other parents kind of did uh-huh and that would explain you know why liz's parents were kind of weird around her because they're like you know whether like you know you and i aren't sure we agree on if liv actually did the stabbing but she was complicit and in their minds she did it and here's this here's this girl and eventually this woman who is the person that their daughter attempted to murder everybody's just carrying these secrets and you know these secrets like this they eat away at a person and there was um there's some really beautiful turns of phrase in the book which i didn't mention before too but she's got some really great ways with words and there's lots of little just kind of soft lines but it's like kind of cool profound or meaningful shit (laughs) like she's really good at that it's incredibly well written. I mean, it is, it is, it is, um, it's not like, and I don't mean this as, as, as you know, to say anything bad about other thrillers, right? Uh-huh. But, you know, this is more than just a plot and character driven thriller. Right. There is meaning and poetry dripping through. Yeah. And healing and, you know, mental illness and overcoming and facing our demons and, and facing our shadow selves. And yeah, it's it's some really cool stuff. And and talking about good writing, I want to talk about the 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 thrilling climax. When you have a book like this, I, I always enjoy having like, all right, now truly life is in danger. Things have come down. You know, there's been the long monologue. Everything's been revealed, and now you're being chased, or people are dying, or in this case. Uh. Both. Or your best friend shows up with a duffel bag with a tarp and a <laughs> hacksaw. Oh, that was so was disturbing. And and the and so first of all, the way that Cass is dispatched is just perfect. perfect. Is perfect. Perfect. She loves to talk so much she gets shot in the throat. But I also really appreciate how many times have we watched a show or a movie or read a book when we go, if the if the protagonist would just play into yes, they like why can't they just 
pretend for five minutes they can get out of the situation and having her play into i mean it doesn't work but having her play into cody's protectiveness and you know lying to him and like creating this out for him is exactly what i would have wanted her to do and i really really appreciate that choice because i think i think that sometimes authors are afraid of having their protagonist making the right choice right and i just i really liked that i really Uh, liked that I agree with you. And, it, and you know, it didn't end up working. You know, as he says, I know what a good liar you are, but it bought her some time. Yes. And then that's what's important. Um, And, of course, yeah, that whole, just the way that whole part plays out, very cinematic, very exciting. I love that she got to Persephone. Yes. And she was okay, kind of. I mean, she wasn't happy, but she was okay to die with her. And there's something kind of really beautiful and poetic about this friend. And even though she didn't, you know, they didn't quote unquote do right by her by not, you know, having, you know, not letting her be laid to rest properly. By notifying the authorities that they found a dead freaking body in the woods. Right. But, you know, there's like, there's, you know, the relationship to her is kind of beautiful and poetic. And then I love at the end, she does get out of the woods. That's exactly what Naomi says, too. Mm hmm. And should we tell everybody at home a fun fact? In case you all at home have forgotten, uh, Scott and I had a pet orchid mantis that was hatched on the first day of spring, and we named her Persephone. Yes, we did. So that's she was a little a fun sweet fact. little mantis. Oh, she was a sweet mantis, but also a... <laughs> a vicious little creature yeah mantises are awesome it's hard to believe something so small and delicate and beautiful is fucking brutal and it's amazing and beautiful how the brutality works as well yeah um, but I liked learning about Jesse's backstory as well. I thought all of that was really cool. Appreciated how, you know, it's just all of these lies. It's like this ripple effect because then it's like this lie, you know, touches these people and then it touches these people and then it touches these people, you know, and it's just this this poison and this toxicity. And, um, you know, because it's like, you know, with, with Jesse, it's like, okay, so then Oscar, you know, kind of knew a little something because he was involved with her and his dad and his best friend and you know and it's just like it's all of this like and then Cass because Cass knew about the affair this is one that I would love I wish that we had an interview with the author because mm-hmm. you know all of that stuff it, 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 you know when you just, just just when you just sit here and you describe it it sounds convoluted but it's written in a way that completely makes sense and i feel like it kind of like reveals itself in a good way there's yes. definitely there's definitely the, the you know like the the monologuing at the end that that ties it all together right but it's but by the time you get there it's not convoluted it's it's like the obvious solution but how do you create that that puzzle like where where do you start from do you yeah. start from the be- like the beginning and then break it out into all these things or do you start from the end like i don't the creative process to create that um almost rube goldberg machine mm-hmm. is 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 
completely foreign to me and impressive. Oh, so impressive. So Kate Alice Marshall, if you're listening, you know, hit us up. Let's let's do a little interview. We Why would not? love we'll to have you on. Do a little interview. And <laughs> um also somebody should I mean, first of all, everybody should read this and enjoy it as the the beautiful, perfect novel <laughs> that it is. But this would make a fantastic miniseries. Oh, for sure. I can see it probably I'd say probably six episodes. Oh, that'd be perfect. It's about right. About six we'll, episodes. We'll order six episodes, please. <laughs> so needless to say, for me, I give this this novel, this beautiful, rich, complex novel with characters that I really was invested in, um, namely Naomi and Ethan, though I did have a lot of love for Liv, but namely the two of them, and Persephone, aka Jessie herself. Um, I was very attached. I cared deeply about them. Uh, the people, the setting, the small town, all of it felt very real. Nothing about it felt coerced or corny or tired to me. And, uh, and I just really loved that. I really, really loved all of that. Um, and I loved that I got the wool pulled over a little bit, wool pulled over my eyes a bit, you know, thinking in my head, oh, it's got to be this or this. And then it's like, surprise, it's both of them. Um, needless to say, I give this five skeletons out of five wedged in a small... <laughs> grotto under a boulder that you have to know how to slither like a snake to get to five out of five i for all of the same reasons you just said i'm gonna match you with the five out of five i think it is a book that is brilliantly made out of both a giant tapestry as well as beautiful individual scenes i i i love everything about it i plan on rereading it and taking some additional notes on it i it's great mm -hmm. Outstanding. Couldn't agree more. Okay, there you have it, everybody. A wonderful, thrilling thriller to help you pass your to summer days. A wonderful, thrilling thriller to thrill you as yes. you are thrilled. Thrill you, <laughs> perhaps chill you. Um, <laughs> thank you, everybody, for joining us. I'm Sandra. I'm Scott. Please keep reading past your bedtime. 